0: following is a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more information on Shore, for our teaching resources, visit www.shore.org.nz. When I was a little kid, uh, Dad used to tell my brothers and I a bedtime story. It was a story that I loved to hear. It was a story about a time when, when our people Israel were in real trouble. The Philistines, our enemies, they had, they had attacked us in battle and defeated us badly. They'd slaughtered 30,000 of our foot soldiers. We were in, in disarray. Worst of all, the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the God of Israel. And they'd carried it back to the temple of their God and they'd installed it right next to Dagon. And then they, uh, they left when they woke up the next morning, as the story goes, they went into the temple and Dagon wasn't sitting on his pedestal. Dagon had fallen off his pedestal and was lying on the ground, face down, prostrate before the ark of the Lord. This was a little embarrassing. So the Philistines quickly picked up their, their idol, their God, and they placed him back on his spot. And then they, they worshiped him, bowed down before him, left when they woke up the next morning and they came in, where was Dagon? He was on the ground again, lying flat on his face before the ark of the Lord. And this time, the story goes, his head had broken off and rolled away. Now, I love that story as a little kid because it, it spoke to me about the power of God, the, the love and the faithfulness of the God of Israel. He was with us, he hadn't forgotten us. But then as I grew up into this tall, strapping, handsome man that you see before you today, I, I confess that I didn't think about that story very much. Not much at all. Because it felt like we were the ones on the ground, our faces in the dirt. With their iron swords and their iron spears, their iron technology, the Philistines were much too powerful for us. They were constantly sending raiding parties up into the Shephelah into the the narrow set of valleys and foothills that ran between the coastal plains where the Philistines lived and the mountainous interior of Israel where we lived. And one day when the Philistine army probing up into the Valley of Elah managed to seize the town of Azekah and then push on beyond that as far as Ephesimim, we knew we were in trouble. The Philistines were about a, a day's march from Bethlehem. They were threatening to cut Israel in half. So Saul sounded the trumpets for war. He had no choice. And all of us, anyone that could join him, we, we, we went down into the, into the valley. And when we arrived, we saw that the southern slope of the Valley of Elah, the southern hill, was a spiked forest of swords and spears behind a thick wall of Philistine shields. And so we dug in on the northern slope, and with our our battle lines like this, neither army could attack the other, because it would have meant advancing across the valley floor, uphill, under a hail of arrows and and javelins from the opposing army. We were at a stalemate. We were deadlocked until the next morning. there was this massive cry from the Philistine army. We ran to the front of our battle lines to see, and And what looked like the thick trunk of a sycamore tree was striding down towards the valley floor. He would have been nine feet tall at least, as as tall as a house, nearly as heavy. From his neck to his knees, he was wearing a thick coat of glittering bronze scale armor. And as he strode across the valley, you could see sun glinting off something on his head a, a bronze helmet and the sun shining off bronze greaves, protecting his shins. As he drew near, I could see there was a javelin slung across his back, and he was holding a fence post that had an iron tip and was a fence post. It was a spear. With his shield bearer, he climbed up onto this rocky outcrop, right in front of the the Israelite army. The arrogance, the, the, the pride, just to issue a challenge. With a bullish roar, he shouted out, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and send him down here to represent you, to fight for you on your behalf. And I will fight him hand to hand, single combat. We will fight to the death. And if he can overcome me, we will become your slaves. But if I overcome your representative, then you become our slaves. This day, he shouted, This very day, I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and we will fight in single combat. Single combat. Single combat, hand-to-hand combat with that hulking giant. He's nine feet tall. It was no contest. He was unbeatable and Saul knew it. The king of Israel standing in our line, just 10 or 12 along from me, he was shoulders and head above the rest of us. He was a tall man, he was our giant, but Saul was visibly shaken. We all were. And so that evening, when this giant from Gath came out again from the Philistine lines to issue the same challenge, we didn't move. No one twitched a muscle, nor the next morning or the evening after that, or the morning to follow when the challenge came again and again and again. For weeks, we cowered in dismay and terror behind our lines. By the 40th day of these challenges, we were running in fear as soon as we saw him approaching. And that's when I heard him. That's when I I recognized his voice, He'd, he'd, he'd arrived. My youngest brother had come down from Bethlehem with supplies. And he was talking to the men in my unit. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should dare to defy the armies of the living God? He said, why doesn't someone kill him and remove this disgrace from Israel? How, how can you let this, this, this embarrassment, this mockery go unanswered? <sighs> my blood boiled. I, I, I stormed out of my tent. How dare you lecture us about bravery, I said to my little brother. I mean, it's fine for you up there in the flowering fields around Bethlehem, minding our father's sheep and playing your stupid harp and singing your sickly praise songs. You haven't been down here in this dark valley for the last 40 days. You don't have to fight this monster. But David's words must have spread, must have rippled, because I think they reached the king's ears. He sent for David. The king, Saul, sent for my little brother. So I accompanied him into the the king's tent. And as we made our way into this dark tent, Saul was slumped in a chair, a single candle burning faintly. But David, without hesitating, stepped forward and said brightly, "'Sir, don't don't be discouraged. "'I'll go and fight this giant.'" Ha! Saul barked, the closest thing to a laugh we'd probably heard in about 40 days. Ha! You're barely more than a teenager, Saul said. You, I mean, this this thug has been fighting wars since before you were born, literally. You don't stand a chance. David stood his ground against the king of Israel and said to him, sir, I've been watching over my father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and and carried a lamb away from the flock. I raced after it and struck it with my staff and rescued it from its mouth. And when the animal turned on me to eat me, I took it by its throat and and broke its neck. It wasn't me, it was God. It was the covenant God of Israel who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the claw of the bear. And he will rescue me from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine because he has dared to defy the armies of the living God. That's what he said. And there it was again. Did you hear it? The armies of the living God. Not the armies of Israel, but the armies of the living God. For days, all we had been able to talk about really was this giant, And my little brother David turns up and all he can talk about is God. It was almost as if the love and the power of the God of Israel, who he couldn't see, no one could, was more real to him than the size and the spear and the sword of this giant from Gath who he could see. Well, his words seemed to have an effect on the king because Saul stepped forward from his chair put both of his huge hands on David's shoulders and said, well, then go. And may Yahweh, may the God of Israel go with you. So we turned to leave the tent. But as we were making our way out, he said, hey, wait, wait, you can't go like that. Come here. And the king of Israel took his own suit of armor, hoisted it up over David's shoulders. Then he placed the helmet, a bronze helmet, the king's helmet on his head, and a sword in his hand. And as I stood there, I thought, he looks just like Goliath, only half the size. David, for his part, said, no, 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 I can't go like this, and took off the armor. Saul said, well, how will you fight him? How will you fight him? With this, David was holding in his hand Has a leather sling. And the stone pouch woven woven between two thin cords was worn and well used. And so with, with no armor, no sword, no spear, nothing except his shepherd's staff and the leather sling in his hand, David started to make his way down the hill. And when I realized what was happening, When it dawned on me that my little brother was going to go and fight the Philistine champion as our representative on our behalf, I ran after him to stop him. But I was too late. It was early evening. It was the time when the Philistine would typically come out from his his lines and issue his evening challenge. And sure enough, there he was already striding across the southern side of the valley And David was already down by the brook of Elah, kneeling, selecting a stone for his sling. And so I I made my way down cautiously, closer to what was going to be the battle zone, but I stopped short when Goliath, seeing David, laughed, at last, a challenger. And then he saw what his challenger looked like as David made his way towards him. And he saw that his challenger was little more than a fresh-faced teenager with no sword, no spear, nothing. And he roared, what, am I a dog that you would come at me with sticks? Come here. And then he said, I'll always remember this. In the name of Dagon, I will take your flesh and feed it to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David's tenor voice, the voice that I'd often heard singing in the fields around Bethlehem, now rang out across the valley. And he said this, "'You come against me with sword and spear, "'but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, "'the God of Israel's armies, "'the God of Moses, "'the God of Joshua, "'the God of Deborah, "'the covenant God of Israel.'" And this very day, he will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down. This very day, I will take the carcasses of the Philistine army and feed them to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And the world will know that there is a God in Israel. All the world, everyone gathered here today will know that it is not by sword or spear or size or strength or power or numbers or intelligence or money that battles are won. The battle is the Lord's and he fights for his people and he will fight for me and he will take you down. A low blood curdling growl reverberated across the valley. The the giant launched into a lumbering run. He'd heard enough and he, he leveled his spear at David's heart as he ran. David didn't skip a beat. He ran too, not, not away from Goliath, but towards the giant, whirling his sling above his head as he ran. And then at the last minute, he released it with a snap, the stone streaks towards the Philistine's skull. And suddenly, the champion of the Philistine army slowed to a walk, perplexed. And then he, he looked to the side as if to say, nothing like this ever entered my mind. And then he toppled forwards, face down upon the ground, just like his idol Dagon before the Ark of the Lord. The contest was over before it began. Well, David ran quickly towards the giant, ripped his huge sword out of its sheath hoisted it high into the air and then brought it down with all his might, the steel blade cutting through bone and flesh into the earth below. And the Goliath's head, the giant's head, rolled away, just like the head of his God. Well, when the Philistine army saw that the game was up, they turned and ran. And and we all, with this huge shout of victory, we who had done absolutely nothing, we surged forwards and chased them out of the valley of Elah, chased them out of, of Israel. And their dead bodies littered the road all the way to the gates of Gath. My name is Eliab Barjesi. I'm David's oldest brother. And I've often wondered. What was the secret of David's faith? I mean, how did he learn to trust God like that? What was the secret? Well, didn't someone once say that, that the entire Jewish Bible could be summed up with one word? Remember. Remember what God has done for you. The constant refrain of the Old Testament, remember. Remember. Remember, the Bible says, how God rescued you from slavery in Egypt and led you through the Red Sea. Remember how God preserved you in the wilderness and and brought you into the, the promised land, this land that he had promised to give you. Remember how he fought your battles for you, and with his help, huge walled cities came crashing to the ground. Remember Have you read the Psalms that David wrote? These songs that he used to sing in the fields around Bethlehem? David turned remembering into an art form. David turned remembering into an art form. And so when he walked into the valley of Elah that day, The love and the power of the God of Israel, who he couldn't see, were, I think, more real to him than the size and the sword of this giant who he could see. Remember. When David walked into the valley of Elah that day, he saw a contest between Yahweh and Dagon. No contest. No contest. Well, there you go. It's a great story, isn't it? It's a story that I suspect many of us have heard many times. I, I'm a little bit like Eliab Bargesi, actually. You don't know me particularly well. There's not much in the, in the scriptural uh, text about, about Eliab, although he is there. And, uh, and I don't know you very well. Some of you I recognize, but I'm a visitor here. I, I don't know you particularly well but I I really want to ask a question of you in light of that story. What giant is looming over your life today, belching Dagon curses at you morning and evening? What giant has you, if you're honest, cowering in, in dismay and anxiety? Maybe it's your husband's cancer. Maybe it's, it's your family's finances. Maybe it's the, the Auckland housing market. Maybe it's a loneliness. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's regret. Maybe it's sin. A sinful pattern of thinking a sinful pattern of behaving, and it enslaves you. It paralyzes you. It threatens your future, and it it contaminates your witness for Jesus, for God. What is it? As you face it this morning, remember what God has done for you. Remember what God has done for his people through history remember. And really, if we're honest, we have got an an enormous advantage over Eliab and David and the sons of Jesse, because we've got 3,000 more years worth of stories of God's faithfulness and power and love that we can draw on, that we can remember. I mean, think about it. What are the stories in your life or the stories from human history that you can draw on and remember? I mean, think about the story about the writer, There was a writer and a politician, these two people, who decided that they would take on a, a massive multinational corporation trafficking in human misery. And they took on this corporation, and with God fighting for them, Hannah Moore, if you know her story, and William Wilberforce, they saw the giant British slave trade come crashing down to the ground or the story about the, uh, the part-time pastor who challenged at a small meeting of backwater Baptists in the middle of England years ago, he challenged them, we should enlarge our vision. Think about the God that we've got. Think about what he's done in the past. We should enlarge our vision, enlarge our tent as far as the Indian subcontinent. And with God fighting for them, William Carey and his friends saw the gospel planted in India. In their lifetime, they saw huge social evils in that country crashing to the ground. Or think about that, the young teacher, that young teacher who was just like David. He was born in Bethlehem. He went out on behalf of his people and fought a battle that they could not fight. He fought it for them. And just like David, he went out in apparent weakness but won an epic victory for his people by trusting in God the Father. Jesus, the son of David, the son of God, He's he's taken down the only giants that can really hurt you. Do you know what they are? There are two of them, sin and death. And he defeated them both. So as you face your giants today, as you go from here back scattering out into the world and the giants that you face there personally and collectively, remember your champion. Remember what he has done for you. Put your faith in his faith, not your own. And know that God will never fail or forget you. He's taken down sin and death on your behalf. He can take care of this giant. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the stories of Scripture that speak to us about your love and your power and what you have done for us. And we thank you too for the stories, Lord, that you have written into our lives, stories that speak of your faithfulness, your love, your power for us. We confess, if we're honest, Lord, that often we don't remember those stories. We don't linger over those stories in our mind. We don't call them back to mind often we don't see you as you are as a result and we don't trust you like we could. Would you forgive us? And would you cleanse us? Would you renew us as you promise? Would you give us the grace to remember who you are, to see it afresh today and in the days to come? And give us the grace, like David, to put our trust in you, to to write new stories with your gracious hand on us, stories that speak of your love and your power, stories that show the world what you are like. we trust you with these giants that we face. Do what only you can do. And give us the grace to obey you, we ask to step out in faith. For we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.